Welcome to a Biblical Perspective Podcast, where God's point of view matters. I'm your host, Prophet C.T. Johnson. Join me as I boldly and unapologetically address the church's stance and position regarding an array of subjects and topics using the Word of God as the frame of reference. Are you ready? Let's hear what God has to say. Well, hello, family. Prophet Johnson back once again with a Biblical Perspective podcast. I know you could not wait until we got back so that we could continue our teaching, Dress and Appearance, What Does the Bible Say? with my special guest and prophet sister, Prophet Tamara Alexander, all the way from Tulsa, Oklahoma. She is a member of the Congregation of the Mighty Ecclesial Assembly, founded by our chief apostle, Dr. Paula A. Price. On last week, we took you, walked you through, unpacked the revelation of God in regards to his issue of dress and appearance. Remember, we said that God cursed our nakedness. And so nakedness, nudity, is now the attire of hell. And so as we conclude this teaching, we're going to help you understand that your clothing says much about you to those around you. And you want to answer the question, what message is your attire sending? Does your clothes reveal an attitude of indifference or a sense of responsibility, of modesty or of temptation or of respect or of disrespect? Catch this or of even carelessness. So as we go into part two with my sister, my friend, Prophet Tamara Alexander, you're going to be helped and the Holy Ghost is going to walk you through for many your deliverance in the area of dress and appearance. So get ready as we take you into part two, the conclusion of the discussion that I had with Prophet Tamara Alexander several weeks ago on my weekly simulcast, 60 Minutes with the Prophet, that comes on Mondays at 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time via Facebook Live and YouTube, and you can be a part of our live simulcast by going to our Facebook page, C.T. Johnson Ministries International, like and follow the page, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel, C.T. Johnson Ministries, and you can follow, be a part of the live simulcast, interact with me every Monday, 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Let's go into the conclusion. What does the Bible say regarding our dress and appearance with yours truly and my special guest, Prophet Tamara Alexander. On last week, we dealt with, we really just scraped the tip of the iceberg in regards to this subject. So I decided that we needed to do part two. We needed to go further, to dig deeper into this discussion. And if you were with me on last week, you know that I was not alone. I did not tackle this subject alone, but I had a powerful 
prophet of God, I almost said prophetic voice, and she is that a powerful prophet in her own right, my dear sister prophet Tamara Alexander, and she is back with us on tonight. Greetings to you, Prophet Tamara. Greet the 60-Minute Family. Say yes. hello to us. Hello, 60-Minute Family. What an honor. So first, I just want to say good evening, good evening to you, Prophet CT, and also yes. to the 60-Minute Family. Good evening to you all. We all want to thank you all for joining us tonight. And also, good evening to your lovely wife, Miss Jessica. Love yes. her. Yes, hi, Jessica. And all of you all who are joining us tonight, we are definitely in for a powerful time with the Lord. You know, God, we are definitely in a time. I, I've often said these last couple of years that this truly is the ever the era of God's sovereignty. And we are in a time where God is sobering up the church. And anytime, you know, when we think about a royalty or, or a monarchy, anytime the king or the queen addresses their kingdom, we always look forward to what? Something that God is saying or something that the king or the queen that they are saying from their desk. And yeah. what we are saying tonight, you all want to get your pens and papers out because we are in a time where God is serious we, you know, you were in a time where you were in fun times. You thought you were able to be out on the playground. Right. Now God is saying, come on in. We are definitely in a time of getting you all ready for war, you know, getting you all scrubbed and clean, taking off your filthy garments, mm -hmm. um, getting you delivered and healed because now is the time where the earth is groaning and the sons and daughters are coming together where we have to be prepared, That's spiritually it. prepared, physically prepared for the throne of God to move on our planet. Amen. Amen. I am in 100% agreement. I can't remember exactly who it was. It, it may have been you, might have been uh, Chief Prophet Tyler Price or Assistant Chief Angela Powers. Somebody within the embassy family said that we have entered into the era where God has transitioned the playground to a war zone. And exactly. we are being galvanized from all over the length and breadth of this country. And we have entered into a militant era, as Chief Prophet Tyler Price has been articulating on 2020 prophetics. And it's time that we begin to shift our mindset from church to kingdom. And yes. so this, believe it or not, this subject matter is... Why, why are we addressing it? We're addressing it because this is an issue for our king. This is yes. an issue for our king. Not dress and appearance in and of itself, but how our dress and or appearance represents him or misrepresents him. See, right. that's the essence of what we are endeavoring to relay as we unfold and unpack this concern, this issue of God. And uh, I'm telling you, if you were not with us on last week, you need to go back and watch the replay. Go to my YouTube channel. Those of you who have not yet subscribed, make sure that you go and subscribe to C.T. Johnson Ministries YouTube channel, aka Prophetic TV, Prophetic Voice TV rather. And I want you to go back and watch last week's broadcast as Prophet Tamara 
walked through this subject in regards to dress and appearance. Now, I don't really have time to recap, so you need to go and watch the replay. But just to whet your appetite for those of you that are tuning in for the first time tonight, and again, we need for you to share, share, and again, share, and hit that share button once again. But she brought out some powerful points and said some powerful, potent things on last week. And one of many was when God cursed our nakedness. And I love how she walked us through the scriptures. Again, we are engaged in this discussion from God's perspective, from God's point of view. What is it that God has stated in his word as it pertains to how we are to represent him. And so she said again, when God cursed our nakedness, it became the attire of hell. So God is not unlike culture and unlike the liberal and liberated Christian, God is not applauding us accentuating our sexuality. Let that sit while I sip. All right. She also said that uh, holiness is our divine immune system. Now, I really want her to elaborate more on this, but it's going to take us further and further into another area that we may go into, but we're not going to go there right yet. But I just want you to understand that uh, how, how significant this is, this dialogue is, because it's more than just wearing a suit to church. No, 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 no. It's about the deity and or the God that your attire and or your presentation represents. See, and that's what the church is not detailing as we discuss very superficially. Even when we do discuss this subject, the church discusses it on the surface, but we're going deep tonight. Now, uh, I want to take us into a video. Oh, my goodness, my goody goodness. We have some good, good things to cover tonight. I want to take us into a video uh, as we deal with dress and appearance. Now, right before I do, let me uh, further set the stage. I, on last week, we began, or oh, as we begin this subject, I am referencing, or I referenced from an article written by Janet Treadway entitled, What Your Appearance Says About You. And right before I take us into the video, I want to, Prophet Tamara, I want to uh, read the result of, a, of an experiment done by John T. Malloy who is the author of Dress for Success. And then I'm going to take us into this video and I'm going to let the prophet loose. To see how people respond to a person's appearance, John T. Malloy, author of Dress for Success, panhandled money around the Port Authority bus terminal and Grand Central Station in New York City. His approach was to stop people and say that he was terribly embarrassed, but he had left his wallet at home and needed 75 cents to get home. He did this for two hours during the rush hour. During the first hour, he wore a suit, but no tie. For the second hour, 
he wore the same suit but added a necktie. In the first hour, he made $7.23, but in the second, with his tie on, he made $26. And one man even gave him extra money to buy a newspaper. His conclusion, no question then, the tie is a symbol, listen to this, of respectability. I want y'all to, if you're taking notes, underline these words or remember these words. The tie is a symbol of respectability and responsibility. It communicates to other people who you are or reinforces or detracts from the conception of who you should be. After conducting hundreds of studies, experiments, and tests over a period of years, Mr. Malloy concluded that what a person wears is directly related to the success he will have in life of clothing in general, he concludes, we all wear uniforms and our uniforms, he's talking about your your attire, not necessarily uh, the uniform of a profession or professional, i.e. police officer, i.e. military. He's talking about your appearance in general. We all wear uniforms and our uniforms are clear and distinct signs of class. We react to them accordingly. Now, right before I get into this video, Prophet Tamara, what are your thoughts on what I just shared? I want you for a few minutes just again to share your thoughts and hone in on those words, respectability and responsibility. He said that the tie was a, a symbol of that, but in essence, he was saying how our appearance, it projects that appearance or our tie rather projects an appearance that is respectable and or responsible. What are your thoughts on what we've shared thus far? And then we're going into this video. Well, you know, when we think of the word in itself, respectability, or we think of the word responsibility, uh, definitely the word responsibility, when we break it down, what does that respond? So mm -hmm. it's your ability to respond to something that's higher than you. Mm. Whether we're talking about a responsibility to a nation, a responsibility, you know, to a family, if you are a mother or a father, or responsibility to yourself, if you are a person that's, you know, has certain academics pursuits, if you're a college student, or mm -hmm. a responsibility if you are, you know, even in your career as an adult, that responsibility of also who am I as a person? You know, what am I pursuing? So in order to be able to make a decision, let's talk about it. When we get up and when we wake up in the morning, the last thing we want to do is put on clothes. <laughs> so, the, so let's just, that's just clear, right? Yeah. When we wake up in the morning, you know, we all wish we could walk around with Snuggies, okay? Right, right. Oh, you know, just put a little Down the bottom. I'm just right. passing by. I'm just passing by. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the fact of the matter that in, in this particular article is pretty awesome is because what he is saying is 100% true because it's how you respond to the power and the spirit of success. 
So some people respond to success as, you know what, I, you know, take me or leave me. I produce well, so it doesn't matter. Other people kind of like everything about this counts. So whether I am going to speak to a thousand people where nobody sees me at all, this is what my attire is going to be. We, we, you know, let's talk about it. One of the greatest examples of responsibility and attire was the 2020 pandemic. What what went viral all over social media? How people were dressed on Zoom. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Right? So they called people cameras. I remember seeing something that went viral where the news anchor, he didn't recognize that the camera was going to zoom out so far, zoom down so far. He had on his tie. He had on his jacket, but he didn't have on Right. Not appropriate bottoms, pants. Mm -hmm. So responsibility, one starts on the inside, and then it manifests on the outside. So in his particular article about how people respond is 100% true because who you are on the inside is literally is going to come out in everything that we do. That's why the kid, you know, parents always say, this kid's going to be successful. I don't have to tell him to wake up. I don't tell him how to uh, do his chores. This kid over here, I have to pick him up, pretty much put his clothes on, put him in the shower, scrub him, drop him off, pretty much have to pick him up and put him in class. Two different mentalities. So success starts in the heart and that heart literally goes into the brain, which is your mentality. How you respond to success always literally is going to be a reflection on where you are in your heart. That's powerful. Success starts in your heart, she said. And according to the scriptures, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, out of the heart flows the issues of life. So for those of you that are errantly, scripturally, uh, how can I say, for those of you that ascribe to that Jesus is more concerned about your heart doctrine than your appearance, understand that your appearance is a reflection of the contents of your heart. Right. So something I like to say a lot of times, uh, Prophet CT, is that success has a personality. You know, we often, a lot of times, we always think that you can just pick it up. You know, what is one of the greatest uh, debates that has been around for a long time? Are you a are are people born as leaders or can you make someone into a leader? Right. right? That's right. one of the greatest debates of all time. Why? You know, and that is the point of success has a personality. You know, so that means that you as a person, you either fit the personality of success, success. Yeah. or you don't. Or you don't. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, let's get into this video. Now, I want to warn you, my viewers, uh, viewer discretion is advised. So here we go. <laughs> but I have to show this video. It's about two minutes. It's under three minutes, about two minutes, 56 seconds, because it's going to help us further unpack and unfold the 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 significance, the revelation of this subject matter. For those of you that, again, Jesus doesn't care. Listen, we have already from last week we have shown you in the scriptures that he does care. This is an issue for us, for him. It is an issue for us. It's an issue for us, for the church, because it's an issue for God. Why does he care? Why is it important to him that we cover up or we are appropriately dressed? Because again, Prophet Tamara said that when he cursed our nakedness, nakedness prior to the fall 
was not a curse. But it is now cursed. And when we, well, you know what? Go back and watch last week. I'm not even going <laughs> to unpack it. I'm not even going to get into it because I'm yeah. not going to do justice as you did. Let's get into this video because this video is going to show us how the church has conformed to the culture's standard of what is appropriate and not appropriate. All right. Now, here we go. When it's all done, it's phenomenal. And it normally it tastes better the next day once the actual season soak in, as you always say. Okay, I'm getting messages. You all said that you can't hear it. And it normally it's better the next day once the actual Uh-oh. Okay. Are we going to try it once again? Because I'm getting messages. You all said that you couldn't hear it. So let me let's let's rewind and do it again. All right. Y'all let me know in the chats if you can hear it. So much for tuning in today to the gospel from the strippers pole. Welcome. Today I have my husband with me, Poppy. And today we're actually speaking in reference to a word that I think I never wanted to um, have in my life. I never prayed for it, <laughs> but it was something that kind of came with the territory as you grow. And the word was patience. Yeah, which I lacked. <laughs> and sometimes still lack, right? Yes. But, you know, I think as we mature in life, as we get older in life, it becomes a requirement. You know that um, things don't always come out immediately. Some things is just like having a good chili. I like to make chili. And it doesn't, you can't quick cook chili. It's a slow cooking process. And when you add the ingredients, you know, you have to let it simmer. You have to let it sit. You have to let, you add everything at a different time. But when it's all done, it's phenomenal. And it normally it tastes better the next day once the actual season soak in. As you always say, it tastes better the next day. And that's because you've allowed it that time to get to the place of where it should be and you didn't rush the process. Well, anything with a good ending basically requires patience. Oh yeah. And you learn that as you go along. And uh, one of the things that we recognize in our Bible study, because uh, we our Bible study contains a lot of younger um, adults, mm -hmm. 
And one of the things that I noticed is that whenever there was a problem or a question that came up, the way the youngsters would deal with it, they, their immediate reaction was just that, they react. Mm -hmm. Instead of letting things play out, they reacted to every situation, every scenario. And in that case, it just went from bad to worse. Mm -hmm. I've learned along the way because I did the same thing myself, but I learned along the way. Take your time, mm -hmm. get your right, dust off, and just keep it going. And let the Lord do the rest for you. I like what you said about letting it play out. You know, we... You know, I always do analogies. I'm really bad about that. I got an analogy for everything. And, you know, we like to watch a lot of movies. Right. And we go yes. to the movies a lot. Yes. And <laughs> Poppy can't stand to go. Yes, I like comedy. But Poppy don't like going to the movies with me because I talk through the whole movie. And it's because I'm constantly trying to think to the next step. I'm really bad about that. And so I see him go in a room. You know what? It's going to be such and such in that room. And I, but if you just let. Okay. That's enough of that. Uh, I, I couldn't watch no more. But the reason I showed that is because I wanted you all, hopefully you all caught it. Now, when the video started, this woman, Prophet Tamir, is a pastor. And this broadcast that she was doing is entitled, I don't know if y'all caught it because she said it very quick and it was at the beginning of the the broadcast the video she said welcome to uh a message or the message from a from the strippers pole yeah so let's start there now prophet Tamara, i'm just gonna open it up to you and, and and let you let you just go with it this is a pastor a woman pastor now notice how she was dressed and how her husband was dressed right so keep that in the forefront of your mind viewers but now there are many Christians equivalent in mindset and or uh, uh, in mentality with this woman that that attire was appropriate. Not only appropriate to wear, to preach, to minister the gospel. That's one aspect. Wearing attire, wearing an attire such as that to preach. That's one aspect. The other is wearing an attire such as that, period. And you are to be right. a Christian woman. Prophet Tamara, I'm going to sit back and let you run with it. Oh, do I have to? Okay. <laughs> first. Yes. You're a woman. You know, I, you know, I have so much to say on this you know, topic. You know, one thing uh, you know, I, I thought I was wondering if I heard what I thought I heard because it was so quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, let me ask. So she has a ministry to strippers or is she a stripper herself today? What are we talking about? I'm not sure from what I have understood in the little research that I did do in regards to her. Mm -hmm. She is an ex-stripper. Okay. It's her mission. Her ministry is oh, toward okay. that group of professionals because now stripping is a profession. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. We you know. So first thing comes to mind is one. You know, is this literally is the era where God is showing us the great divide 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to share with you all, you know, seeing that board to me, a dream that the Lord gave me uh, about two years ago about the church and the church in this particular dream, it was a really huge fat lady, um, morbidly obese. And, and then her buttocks area was really, really huge. And it was uh, on on both butt cheeks. It was mold and all other things. And it was uh, a deformed looking butt. Mm-hmm. As you move down her legs, her legs were really huge. And the uh, the bottom and the, uh, the bottom of her feet was literally uh, laid with maggots. All mm-hmm. both sides of her feet were maggots. And um, the reason I'm bringing this up after watching this video, because the Lord is talking about and, and where the state of the church is today, the state of the church, the footing, the padding of the church, you know, how where we have walked and the things that we have done, we are now in a place where God is saying that sickness has literally risen to the top. And what we are looking at when we're talking about the nation of Jesus Christ and and we're looking at pictures uh, and videos where we can't even focus on what she was saying, because all we can look at is her is her boobs. Right. And when we look at that, that's the state of the church where we are now. There is sickness in the pulpits. I want you to go with me quickly to uh, the book of Isaiah one, because in this particular dream, In 2021, you know, I've never talked about the dream, but in this particular year, God continues to give me opportunity. He said, because this now, I need you to talk about this because Mm -hmm. this is where I am with the church. Right. And we're going to go to Isaiah 1, and we're going to go right down to Isaiah 1, verse 5. And why should ye be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, mm-hmm. even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your your country is desolate. Your cities are burnt with fire. Your land, uh, strangers devour it in your presence, and it is desolate, overthrown by strangers. So when we're looking at the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is putrid right now, you yeah. know, and it is it is literally sending up a profane fire and strangers and, and really a counterfeit church is has risen to the pulpits of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are not what we know as what we call God's elect. What we are seeing that are sitting in the altars of the Lord of Jesus Christ as I talked about last week when I talked about nakedness and I talked about being outfitted and, and what that all means, what we know at the end of the day, Prophet CT, that this bewitching spirit has overtaken the body of Christ. And when we as the church, we surrender the church to this. Right. All through the Lord Jesus Christ, when we're talking about Christian witches, like this young lady who literally is saying that she is a pastor and we all we, we see all of your we can't just say cleavage. We pretty much see all of your, your entire your breasts. We're looking at that. So we can't, we as prophets, we as you know, God's apostles and prophets and uh leaders, we have no other choice but to say what the word of the Lord is. That's and that it. is why he's saying the church is now has become sick. 
and you have been, uh, you are now putrefied. And now I give you over to your lust. Because if you can, nobody can tell me looking at this young lady, when we're looking at her teaching or so what she, whatever she was supposedly doing, that she has been overtaken by another spirit. And so that's where we are right now. That's what we are facing. And that's why the war that is about to happen. Look at Afghanistan. You see the news today. Look at yeah. Haiti. Haiti can't stay out of the news. We Haiti president, you know, was assassinated. Haiti can't stop having earthquakes. We look at, you know, Afghanistan today. We look at Cuba. We look at our nation. And when the righteous are in power, what? The people rejoice. rejoice. So this yeah. wickedness that we are seeing is literally, it started in the church. You know, strip poles in the church, beds in the pulpit. So what do we expect? Well, now, you know, what I talked about last week in James 1, what when sin is conceived, what? And then it is what? Secondly, full grown. Lastly, mm -hmm. what? It brings forth the death. So yeah. we are literally watching this putrefaction that we are experiencing right now. The body, body of Christ, it started 30, 40 years ago. And now these are the seeds that have now matured into what we are now calling officials in the body of Christ. Especially. But the elect shall rise and we will overtake this bewitching spirit that's over not just our planet, but over the nation of Jesus Christ and kick out the officials of hell. Because right now what we are looking at in the pulpits of the nation of Jesus Christ, they are officials of hell, not of the nation of Jesus Christ. So powerful, so powerful. You said so many things. And one of the things that you said is that the church is, is in an infested state, an infested condition. Uh, uh, I'm paraphrasing that, that there has an infestation has developed in the church whereby and are due to for the sake of relevance, we have allowed the spirit of perversion to literally take over. And what we are doing, what we are ascribing to as it pertains to dressing down, as it pertains to developing an atmosphere in our churches, in our sanctuaries, whereby the sinner or the sinners are comfortable, we, as you have said, we have, we are now rather reaping the harvest of the seeds of perversion and disobedience that we have sown. And we all did it for the sake of relevance. We all did it for the sake of witness. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is we were a witness for hell, not a witness for the kingdom. Amen. And there's nowhere in scripture where God instructed us to resemble the world in order to win the world. And that's the deception that the church has bought into that in order to win them, you have to look like them. You have to be them. And so I would venture to say if I could or had the opportunity to speak to this woman, I guarantee you, if I was a betting person, which I'm not because Jesus's citizens don't gamble for those of you who think it's all, but you know, that's a whole nother uh, life. But if I was a betting person, I would venture to say that this woman is 
dressing in the manner that she is because she has bought into that deceptive lie, deception, that you have to resemble them to win them. And the truth of the matter is, if the world peering through the window of the church sees an, uh, uh, sees an exact image versus an opposite reflection, what's the purpose? What's the reason for them to relinquish their current God and or deity and pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ? If the church is offering the same thing, if we're presenting the same thing that they are already involved in, that if we're presenting an, an image that they already walk in and represent, what's the point of switching gods? Right. And so I want to uh, take us into or read into your hearing a an excerpt of an interview uh, from Megan Good. We all know of Megan Good. She is a very talented actress and uh, she has played in a multiplicity of movies that most of us would know if I started calling them. But, and I'm not sure exactly when this article was, was done, but I came across it again today as I was preparing and studying for tonight's broadcast. And I want to read it in your hearing and I'm going to do my best also to pull it up on the screen so you can read along with me. It's very short and um, it ties in to this aspect and this part of what we're discussing because, and while I'm looking for it, Prophet Tamara, I'm going to let you speak to this, but the church now has entered into, and I stated it on last week, this save but sexy mentality that you can be saved and be sexy. And what I've come to find out is that the church and even we as blacks primarily, we ascribe to things, we ascribe to fads, we ascribe to, to movements, we ascribe to that which is popular without doing our homework. And the question I propose to those of you listening tonight, have you taken the time to study the word sexy? Just let that question sit. Have you actually done your homework? I'm not talking simply or just about Merriam-Webster's definition. I'm talking about defining the word back to its origin. Have you done your due diligence in regards to the etymological root of the word sexy? We are ascribing to things simply because it's popular. Someone of notoriety, someone of influence has gotten behind it. And because everybody wants to do opposite of what uh, uh, Peter admonishes us. Everybody wants to do opposite of what 1 Peter 2.9 says, instead of us being distinct and separate and peculiar, we want to fit in. We want to be accepted. We want to blend in. 
And so, Prophet Tamara, just speak to that for a few minutes. Saved, but sexy. Well, you know what? Before you do that, let me read, because I, I have it up here. Let, let me read it. Let me read it. And uh, let's see if I can. I'm, I'm figuring this out tonight. I'm learning while I'm teaching. So let, <laughs> let, let me see. I want you all to read this along with me. And so let's see if I can pull it up here. Let's see. All right. Can y'all see that? Now, it says, this is Megan Good. And uh, let me scroll up just a little bit. Okay. Throughout, the, throughout her career, Megan Good has always attracted attention for her effortless beauty. But oftentimes, a 32-year-old actress who is married to movie executive and Seventh-day Adventist preacher Devon Franklin has also caught flack from the religious community for bearing too much with skin at events. She has received criticism, but has always maintained to keep her head up. All right. And she makes this comment. She also made it clear that you can be sexy and saved. And Megan Good says, and I quote, and you can read it for yourself. I really don't think there's anything wrong with being sexy. Now, let me just stop right there. She says, I don't think. So she's giving you opinion. She's not giving you facts. Uh, let, well, let, let, let me even retract that. She's not giving you scripture. Now, she is a professed Christian. Her husband professed Christian of the Seventh-day Adventist denomination. And here's the issue. We have supposedly God's leaders, God's spokespersons, that are addressing issues, knowing good and well that they have the ear and the attention of the masses, and yet they are not even concerned about how what they're saying is going to affect. Y'all excuse. I tell you, these darn. Uh, hold on. All right. The devil is lying, trying to distract from what I'm saying. But they don't they're not concerned of how what they're saying is going to affect or not necessarily affect, but how it's going to represent or if it's going to misrepresent Jesus Christ, whom they say they serve. So I just wanted to make sure that you hone in on her first statement. I really don't think there's anything wrong with being sexy. Now, for her to say that lets me know that she has not done due diligence as it pertains to defining, studying out the meaning of the word. Because if you understood, Prophet Tamara, the meaning of the word sexy, then you would know that there's an issue. So she says, she goes on to say, she uh, she says, matter of factly, listen to this. God created our bodies as women. So basically, she's saying that God is OK with you being sexy because he's the one that created your body. So the video that we just watched of the pastor, it's OK for her to show her breasts and show her show 
expose her areolas because God created her body. He created us to be beautiful, to be sexy, to be powerful, to be fearless. I don't understand what showing your body parts and accentuating uh, your body parts and, 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 and being sensual has to do with being powerful and fearless. I, I don't understand it. Maybe you could explain that, Prophet Tamara. To be amazing. I do respect and understand the fact that when you come into the sanctuary, you need to be dressed appropriately because you are not the star. Jesus is the star. That agree, That I agree with 100%. And so the rest I'm not going to read because it really doesn't apply to what we're talking about. Then she crescendos and starts talking about um, finding someone that she can depend on in regards to her, her husband. But I wanted to read that into your hearing and wanted us to discuss this, to connect and tie it into the video, because this is where the church is. And women, I don't want you to think that I'm harping on you, because trust me, before this discussion is over tonight, we're going to hit men as well. We're going to hit it all. We're going to hit it all. So I'm not just uh, jumping on the women because they're not <laughs> women's attire is not solely the issue because now you have men with skinny jeans accentuating their libido and 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 exposing their 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 chest and their taco meat and all this foolishness. So Prophet Tamara, let's let's let, let's deal with this. She says she doesn't think there's anything wrong with being sexy because after all, God created our bodies. Well, you know that is we should expect her to say that. Because we are living in the era where we are seeing the offspring of the adulterer and the offspring of the whore. You know, oh. so this particular woman and people like her, you know, we as prophets, we have to speak out about this. And, the, and she is not speaking for the Lord Jesus Christ. She is not speaking from the throne room of God. You know, 60 minute family, let's just make, we have to make prophets. We help you all make clear distinctions. So let me make clear distinctions. There is a difference when we're talking about the kingdom of God and then what verses talking about the elect of God. So the remnant, the elect of God, the offsprings of the Godhead, those are not, that is not the type of communication or attire of God's elect people. But when right. you're talking about the kingdom church, right now we're talking about the whore of Babylon. We're talking about, you know, and we can look at this in the scripture. You know, when you're talking about the offspring of Satan, yeah. Satan and the offspring of the adulterer, the offspring of people who hated Jesus Christ. Many of these people, I'm not saying her specifically, but many of the people who have risen into power that is now in non-denominational churches that are, that are now in also traditional churches, whether we're talking about Baptist, Methodist churches, whatever we are talking about now, we are we are now, just to help you all understand, we have entered into a time, whether we're talking, I would say the last 30 years, I would almost say 40 years, we have been on a journey of watching a lot of the liberal agenda turn into what was once, like we said, it was once a zygote, Right. They had veneration for everything that was satanic. They had veneration for everything that was, you know, literally against the throne of God. Mm -hmm. This is the manifestation of that. We are living in the era 
of literally the offspring of hell. I want you guys to go with me. What she represents and, and what we have seen the infiltration of in the nation of Jesus Christ right now, she represents it. And you all, and even you 60 minute family, you guys see it every day throughout all social media. You hear it all day long on podcasts. This is the, infrastru- uh, the infiltration of hell in God's pulpits. This is not God's elect. You go with me to uh, Isaiah 57 really quickly. Now, this is this is really this speaks to uh, Megan Good. This speaks to the young lady we saw earlier. I don't remember her name, but Isaiah 57 says something very powerful. It says, and this is verse three. It says, but draw near hither, ye sons of the sorceress, the sorceress, the seed of the adulterer and the whore. Against whom do ye sport yourselves? Against whom ye make ye a wide mouth and draw out the tongue? Are ye not children of transgression, a seed of false a seed of falsehood? So what we are looking at now, when we're talking about the church of the Jesus Christ, that word drawn, that's the same drawn that we look like. When we think of the word drawn, it means pulled out. Also, it means also made thin. When we're thinking about drawn, also made thin by tension. So a lot of what we're dealing with in the body of Christ today is this particular offsprings that have now produced is manifest. This is that harvest. This is a satanic harvest that has entered into the body of Christ. And how what we need to look at and what you all need to be praying is that right now that the elect rise up. We are literally going to be entering into war. And the next three to five years, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to have to rise up. That's why God is literally sobering the body of Christ. That's why God continues to get on each one of you. He says, get in your word, get delivered, get healed, because he knows the dragon that is now entering into the body of Christ. And we have to be empowered to take this beast out. It goes on to say, inflaming yourself with idols under every green tree, slaying the children in the valleys under the cliffs of the rocks. What's the new movement in the body of Christ today? New age movements, people doing saging, people thinking that you can be a Christian and you can be, you can worship Buddha. You can be a Christian, you can be a Muslim. But the thing that God is literally showing forth and you know, first Corinthians talks about this is that every man's work will be tried by fire. So in this even even now, when we look at women like Megan Good, but we talked about this last week when I said once again that nakedness, uh, once God cursed nakedness, it became the entire hell. So God is now showing all of the offspring of hell because he is sinning in the fire. When we think about Joyce Myers, people are like, What what happened? Because God's eternal report card is out. For many of you who have literally been in the body of Christ right now, the fire of God has hit their ministries and he's letting the nation of Jesus Christ, they were never one of my sons and daughters. The fire is literally shaking the foundations and literally, it, what does the Psalm talk about? The foundation be removed. What happens? Right. So God is trying to make clear distinctions to help people understand, know that they were never of me or yes, they turned away from me. So I I always like to be able to say to people, when we are looking at people like Megan Good and many others that we can name, we can see here and just name so many, they are not representing 
Jesus. eternity. They are not representing the throne room of God. They are not representatives of Jesus Christ. They are literally sons and daughters of hell. Of hell. And listen, we want you to understand that as prophets, we are sounding the alarm. We're crying aloud and sparing not. You need to be aware of what is happening in the nation of Jesus Christ. Understand the attack, understand the tactics of the enemy so that you can cease to be ignorant of his devices. It is time for us to pull, literally snatch our heads from out of the proverbial sand and begin to uh, 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 enter into that militant mindset so that we can successfully defend and guard Jesus Christ. And there are so many that are deceived in this hour Yes. Because we have ascribed to the love doctrine. We have ascribed <laughs> to the relevance doctrine. We have ascribed to uh, uh, you must look like them to win them. No, in order to win them, you have to look like and represent Jesus Christ. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's the witness. That's the image that you need to project. Now, listen, we only got a few minutes left, but Lord have mercy. I uh, I guess I'm the host, so I can uh, I can go over time if I need to. But uh, <laughs> I want to be respectful of my guests. But I want to take us into this next video. Uh, but right before I do, I want to share. I came across again. I've been in study pretty much all day today, and I want to give. You, I want to let you look at uh, what I came across. I found it very interesting, Prophet Tamara. I'm sharing the screen again. I came across something, an article that, that that's in regards to wake and funeral etiquette. Oh, okay. Wake and funeral. We all know what a wake is. We all know what a funeral is. But this article that I came across deals with proper wake and funeral attire. There is a dress code. There is etiquette for proper etiquette for attending a wake and or a funeral. Now, why are you sharing this, Prophecy T? Because this is how warped the church's mindset is we will dress in an appropriate manner. Catch this to attend a service of a dead person, but we will not dress or we don't even think that there is issue with our dress in regards to worshiping a living God. Now I want to highlight some things here. I'm trying to find exactly uh, yeah, right here. Thank you, Holy Ghost. What to wear? What do I wear to a wake? Knowing what to wear can take away some of the stress. No one wants to show up inappropriately dressed. Listen to this. What you wear is another way you show respect for the deceased and the family. So they are concerned about 
not disrespecting in your attire, in your dress, the deceased. Did you catch that? The dead person. Now, the last I knew about a dead person, they could care less of what you wear to their funeral and or their wake. But this says, this article says that you don't want to offend the deceased, but neither the family. So you must wear appropriate attire. And then it lists appropriate wake attire for women. And then it lists and even shows inappropriate wake attire for women. And you all can see that. And then it also shows appropriate wake attire for men and inappropriate wake attire. Now, again, I'm getting ready to queue up my other video here. But Prophet Tamara, just for about 60 seconds, <laughs> I want you to, 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 to discuss that. And then we're going to go into the video and then we're going to wrap it up. There is proper dress etiquette or dress etiquette for wakes and funerals. But it's okay to come as you are, because you know that's what the Bible says. <laughs> come as you are, which it doesn't. No. You know that. But you know, that, that, that's what people are banking on. Uh, that's what they build their argument on, because the Bible says come as you are. And still, no one can find that book, chapter, and verse for me, those who ascribe to that lie. But there's proper attire. There's etiquette. And we're okay with that being regulated. We're okay with attire and or address uh, 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 protocol being regulated for wakes and funerals, but not for worshiping God. And one reason is because in, in the video that I'm going to show you, they brought up this point because we are the church and because we are the church and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, it doesn't matter what we wear. But yet when you go to view the deceased's body for the last time, you got to be dressed right because obviously the dead cares about what you're wearing. Private Tamara? You know, I, like I, you know, and I said this last week, you know, when we think of the Muslim people, we think of the burqa, we think of the hijab, mm -hmm. when we think of, you know, the Indian people, what do we think of? I mean, you know, we think of Saris, we think of the Bangladesh people, we think of the Pakistanians, we think of the Indians. Mm -hmm. uh, when we think of the uh, priesthood and the Levitical tribe, what do we think of? We think of their priestly attire. We think of what? The tabernacle. We think of the holies of holies. You know, we think of the, the, uh, the uh, brazen altar. We think of even the washing of the hands. So mm -hmm. we, what am I saying? I'm saying that our history proves that our God always had regulations, laws, and government concerning attire. And we exactly. take it further, you know, from who we were in our eternal state. It says we talked about the fact that even though Adam and Eve were naked, right, they still were clothed in something. They were clothed in God's righteousness. Yeah. They were clothed in God's uh, truth. They were, and, and the biggest thing, they were clothed in holiness. Mm. And the reason that they knew that they were naked is because the, the clothing of holiness was stripped from their spiritual man and their physical man. Right. So God has always had a belief system about his offspring being clothed in some form of fashion, whether, you know, and so as we move forward and we look at the body of Christ today, 
you know, what's so, you know, the what's so provocative is the that the fact of the matter is that when God said that he uh, he rent the veil in the tabernacle and he literally said, I'm going to write my laws on your heart that you will not sin against me. And he said, I'm going to walk in you. I'm going to talk to you. You will be my God. and I will be your people. What happened is the complexity of what we now face in the contemporary church is God making a distinction of those who literally took him in their heart. You know, they took on the new creation spirit. And because he is walking in them, because he is talking in them, uh, and because his laws are speaking through their heart into their brain, into their soul and into their spirits, they are not sinning against him. So we have to ask the question to many of the body of Christ about, you know, what is your salvation experience? Because those who understand God, and if God literally is walking in you and talking in you, you automatically take on the attire. The Holy Spirit will say to you, don't wear that. Right. The Holy Spirit, and many people will tell you, they did, they ne- wasn't even a, a raised in the apostolic or prophetic church. Many people in just who know God, the Holy Spirit showed up into them and say, don't dress like that anymore. Right. And I think what we are facing in the body of Christ is the fact, you know, for many of you all who may go back and watch this later, you have to ask yourself the hard questions. You know, Jesus Christ said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, put on. He's always telling us to put something on, put on right. the right. armor. Why is he always telling us to put something on? And then you have to ask yourself, why is Satan always telling us to take something take off? Something off. Right. Because his job is to adorn us as the misfits of the kingdom. So mm. what we are looking at, God is helping us identify the misfits of the kingdom. And mm. our job as God's officials is continue to tell people, but this is the attire of hell. This is the attire of the throne room. This is the attire of Satan. This is the attire of the offspring of the Godhead. We will continue to have this battle because Satan tries to make all of God's, you know, communications, all of his laws and all of his uh, government, he tries to make it look chaotic. He tries to make it look crazy. So Mm -hmm. it's hard for people to distinguish the truth versus the lie. But we always and we will always have this issue, but we will always be able to talk to people and say, but you know what? What is God saying to you? I like to do that sometimes, Prophecy T. Right. What is God saying to you? Because a lot of times, what, what are we finding out, Prophecy T, that God is not saying anything to those who are outfit, outfitted for hell? He's not speaking to them. And for those who have an ear to hear. What they will hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. So when we get get to attire, they are going to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. You know, listen, this is so good. And I trust that you all are not just ingesting, but you're digesting this. And in our last few minutes, we're getting ready to go to this video. I want you to hit that share button once again. Yes, hit that share button. We're going to go into about maybe five minutes of overtime because I want to conclude this discussion on tonight. You want to make sure that you go back and you watch from the beginning. You watched last week and you if you did not watch from the start of tonight, go back because we shared some powerful things. We uh, showed you a video and we're going to show you another video that's going to help us to conclude this. now. 
by no means have we exhausted this subject. Uh, we can continue to unpack and unfold, and we will in other broadcasts. But before I go into the video, which we're getting ready to go into, and then we're going to allow Prophet Tamara to give closing remarks, and then we're going to pray. But I want to define sexy. I want to go back because I forgot to give you that definition when oh, we were yes. dealing with the video of the pastor and when we read Megan Good's uh, statement. So sexy from Adam Online. Sexy, listen to this, 1905 from sex, originally engrossed in sex. Now, just let that sit because, you know, sometimes, especially us, I can talk about us because I'm one of us, we do not do our homework. And as Dr. Price always says, understanding the meaning of words is so significant because culture has redefined our uh, has redefined the meanings. The, the culture has redefined what words originally meant. We right. have slang. We have our own interpretation. But we need to make sure that we understand the origin of a word. Because as I often say, you can't change the origin of a thing. You cannot change the origin of a thing. And so that sex originally engrossed in sex, marked by or tending to arouse sexual desire or interest. Now tell me, how is that okay? Not now that you, many of you who didn't have an understanding, a clear understanding of what sexy means and or meant, now that you do from the etymological root, how is it okay? How does God approve of you being saved and sexy? Because again, to be sexy means that you are engrossed in sex and that sexy also, you are tending to arouse sexually those that you encounter. Now, that's not the will of God. As Prophet Tamara said, <laughs> you with your sexy self are an agent of hell. <laughs> You're not an agent of the Godhead because it's not God's desire or his citizens' desire to arouse any aspect of your flesh. It's God's desire to kill to crucify, to mortify the flesh, not to heighten its sensual desires. I'm talking good. I know some of y'all don't like this in the comments. Y'all ain't even really commenting tonight because y'all know that this word is digging in the trash can of your devil. Those of you, and not just women, but now you have the man, the men that want right. to be sexy. You are 300 plus pounds and trying to squeeze yourself in skinny jeans. Now, that's a devil in and of itself, but <laughs> you do not have the physical physique that the late Bishop Eddie Long did have, but yet here you are in a muscle shirt. <laughs> and even if you did have the physique, you still shouldn't be in an outfit such as that because it is arousing the sexual, the sensual desires of the flesh. It is distracting. Now, right. that's good. Prophet Tamara, let's go ahead and conclude this. I'm, I'm going to bring in this video. I'm going to bring in this. Lord, okay. My wife is telling me to stop it. So <laughs> it's time for me to wrap it on up here. <laughs> Praise God. I'm going to take us into this video. Okay. And then uh, I'm going to drop two more definitions on us. And then we're going to close it out. Here we go.
We're talking about, should your church have a dress code? Well, hey there, and welcome to Pro Church Daily. This is the show where in 10 minutes or less, you're going to get a daily dose of tips and tactics to help your church share the message of Jesus while we navigate the biggest communication shift we've seen in 500 years. I'm your host, Alex Mills, joined as always by the boss man, it's Brady Shearer. And today we're asking, should your church have a dress code? Growing up in a small Baptist church, Alex, mm -hmm. all of the leaders always wore a button-down shirt yes. and a tie. When I went to a Pentecostal church in my teen years, lead pastors always in a full suit. Yep. Then I went to Bible college, started going to these young and trendy oh, yeah. church plants, and people were wearing tanks and baseball hats. Their jeans were ripped. Their jeans were so ripped, it was more skin than jean, <laughs> more flesh. <laughs> flesh out, mesh out. And so we wanted to just kind of have a conversation about this idea of dress code for leadership at your church. Mm -hmm. So this isn't about the idea that everyone who attends a church should be in their Sunday best. We're not talking about that. That's a discussion for another time. This is about, should you have a mandated dress code for your leadership? And we're just going to talk about four different considerations to think about when you're making this decision and implementing these rules. All right. Now to start, I want to show you what I have worn okay. on stage at my church the last four Sundays that I have been hosting. And you haven't been excommunicated yet, so I have not. Good. So this first image, for those listening, is me on stage. And to give you some context, my church is about 2,000 people. Mm -hmm. We run three services on a Sunday, so it's, it's a big church, far reach. And I am on stage doing the hosting, so that's announcements, new visitor welcome, giving, transition from worship into announcements, out of announcements, into the message. Okay hosting section. That's what we call it. So this first image is me with a t-shirt and a bomber jacket. So the bomber jacket is a leather jacket on the sleeve. So pretty it's the Fruit Loops bird. I think it's toucan, a toucan. Sam? Yeah, okay, yeah, there's yeah. a giant colorful toucan on the back. Yeah, it just has powers on the front. It's a powerful toucan, <laughs> powerful bird. And the fourth Sunday You're might be my favorite. Shirt at all. I'm shirtless. No, no, no. Okay, so I'm still wearing a t-shirt. Now, I'm going to skip through some of it to get us to where need us to be uh, for the sake of our time. So uh, that's why I'm, I'm cutting across, but I'm going to get us precisely to where I need us to be. And then we're going to wrap it up. And I think it is where it needs to be. But I'm also wearing a baseball cap. Ooh. So an Adidas dad cap, curved brim. Okay. And so this gives you an example of what we wear at my church. Okay. Now, we do have a dress code at my church for those on stage because we do iMag and live streaming because right. we're a bigger church. And we really popular church uh, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And one of their worship leaders was wearing a Michael jo uh, Jordan Bulls jersey. Ooh. So I figured I could, the limit, I can still keep pushing. Yeah. So let's talk about four considerations. Now you know what I wear. You know where I'm coming from. Again, come from different churches that have been very formal. Four things to consider. The first one is that we've said this before. Sounds a little bit, but okay. Your vibe attracts your tribe. And basically what this means is that if everyone on your stage is young and dresses casual, it's very likely that your congregation will reflect that. Of course. We've got a lot of young people in my church. And when they come to church, just as when I come to church and I'm not hosting, I wear... 
the exact same types of clothes. Yeah. And they wear clothes that are very similar, young people. So that's the first thing to consider. If, if you're an older church and you are always wearing a suit and tie, you're likely going to attract certain people that wear suit and tie as well. We talked about this last week uh, on Pro Church Daily, just about how often your community will reflect your leadership. And last week we weren't talking about dress code, but I think it's that, that same thing is true, uh, specifically talking about dress code today. I remember when I first started teaching at our church, uh, that was about six years ago. And I remember the first time I preached, shirt and tie, because that's how I grew up, you know, a small local Pentecostal church. And and now when I teach, I wear whatever I want, you know, like ripped skinny jeans, what have you. And I, so that's been a, a six year long uh, progression transition. And we've actually seen it replicated in the people who do come to our church, not only newcomers who, who are coming to our church, but the people who've been to our church for a long time, who formerly would have worn suit and tie, no longer feel you know, obligated to mm. wear a suit and tie because the people on the stage aren't often wearing that kind of, of dress anymore. So, so we've, we've seen that happen. The, the, the community reflect the leadership. Second consideration for you to chew on when asked to choose from word pairings to describe their vision of the ideal church, millennials, young people, 64% chose the word casual over the word dignified. Mm -hmm. And so this is just data that you can take for what it is, just a single piece of context. But the majority of younger people prefer a more casual experience than a formal dressed up one. Wow, that's really interesting data point. Third consideration to talk about. The theological implications of dressing up at church, but not dressing up elsewhere. <laughs> so what I said was when I'm on stage, I dress the same on stage yeah. as I would right now doing pro-church daily as I would if I attended church and wasn't serving on stage on that Sunday. I grew up and it was always taught to me, whether through worship songs or through explicit teaching from the stage, that the auditorium the sanctuary, the meeting place of the church is holy ground. Mm -hmm. And as I grew older and my theology changed a bit, it became more of, wait a minute, the church isn't a building where we meet. The church is me yeah. and I'm carrying the Holy Spirit with me wherever I go. And so there's nothing wrong with dressing up on a Sunday morning to go to church, but saying that you have to do it because that's where God is, for me, was theologically inconsistent yeah. and lacked depth. And it didn't make full sense to me. So I'm a big proponent. All right. That's enough. Because we need to uh, wrap this up. And uh, we need to wrap this up. But nonetheless, I want to stop it right there. And I can send it to you, Prophet Mary. You can see the rest of it because I know you would. Yeah. Uh, be intrigued by the remainder of the discussion. But so I want to address a few things there. Hopefully you all, 60 Minutes family, you, you were listening. And the gentleman on the left with the glasses talked about how the church transitioned. And what I gathered from what he said is the change of culture, because that's really what has happened. We have changed the culture of the church to resemble the culture of the world. And it did not happen by happenstance. It happened uh, on purpose. It happened strategically. I heard Bishop Jakes say in an interview, maybe about two years ago or so, when he actually started to transition, he literally said, that he changed his attire from 
the suit to the bomber jacket dressing urban for the purpose of transitioning the culture of his church. Because as the young man said, as the leader, the image in which the leader projects is the image that the congregation will resemble. And so it was a strategic plot and plan of the enemy to get us to where we are. Now, the gentleman on the right used two words. He said in his poll polling of the millennials that they are uh, that that they were more attracted as it were to the word casual than dignified and or that they were pro casual dress than dignified. Casual, listen to this, Prophet Tamara, I'm going to allow you to comment and give your closing comments as well. Casual, lacking a high degree of interest or devotion done without serious intent or commitment. See, we're doing things and not understanding the root meaning-wise, to what it is we are transitioning to, conforming to, ascribing to. Because being casual is more than just dressing comfortably. I hope y'all are hearing this. Being casual is more than just, again, dressing comfortably, wearing flats versus high heels, allowing your toes to breathe. No. When you are of a casual mindset, when you are of a casual posture, you are lacking high de- a high degree of interest in whatever it is you're engaged in or devotion. You are not serious or committed to the task and or to the, 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 uh, to whatever it is that you are tuned in or connected to when you're casual about it. Then the other word he used was dignified, of course, comes from the root word dignity, formal reserve or seriousness of manner, appearance or language, the quality or state of being, listen, worthy, honored, or esteemed. So they liken dressing in suit and tie as being dignified, saying that. Uh, It's not necessary, but we don't understand that when we allowed the world to pull us out of dressing in a dignified manner, we lost consciousness of God's worthiness or worthness or worthfulness. We lost consciousness of him being worthy of high esteem and or honor. Prophet Tamara, uh, in our last few minutes, just share in regards to the video, give your thoughts in regards to that and closing comments. And uh, we'll do our best to put a pin in it. Lord knows I want to have you back again, but I'm not going to take another Monday from you just yet. So I'm going. (laughs) Well, I I love what you were saying, though. I love what you just said. You know, it it causes it causes uh, us to lose consciousness of the worthiness of our God. Uh, that's so true. And really, 60 Minutes family, what I want you all to recognize 
is that this video is so important because when you think about it, uh, Prophet CT, what happens even to you as, you know, um, a military official or just us as everyday people, or just think law enforcement when they are doing a stakeout or something like that, um, they have to be conscious of everything that is around them. When the military, when you go into battle, what you create a consciousness of you know what's around you and what happens when one person or everybody at the same time says what? Okay, we, we end up falling asleep, right? Or what happens, you know, on that stakeout, one person falls asleep, right? It leaves room for an invasion to occur. Exactly. What happens when, you know, we just decide that, you know, in our home, you know what? My neighborhood's nice. You know what? I don't need to lock my doors. What happens? You let your guard down. Mm -hmm. And as you let your guard down, it causes an intrusion or I should say an invasion to occur. Mm -hmm. So what the casual of the casualness of the church, I help some of you all understand this movement started about 30 years ago. And it was called uh, the seeker-sensitive movement. And what the strategy is started with the church called Saddleback. And right. what, the, what the goal was, was that we will now um, put in new uh, a new way for the body of Christ to enjoy Jesus Christ. Yep. So that's when you started seeing churches change and where they started uh, uh, literally painting the ceilings black, where the smoke machines came in, where even they started building the coffee. Yeah. Yes, they started uh, building the um, the cafes in the church because mm -hmm. they did research and they said that in order to draw in younger people, so what they would have was the traditional service and then they would have the contemporary service. Yeah. And from that particular research, they uh, felt that that's that caused the church to be more balanced and to draw more younger people in. They begin to add younger people and change the style of praise and worship. And the result of what we've had in the what last 25 years is what mega churches. Yeah. So the goal at the end of the day was to fill the seats. And so in that, all of our senses have been doled out. They, how do they say you take a country by making the citizens addicted to pharmacia? As we know, making them addicted to drugs. So mm -hmm. you dull their senses and then they, they can invade the nation. So what happened is we dulled the senses. Our spiritual guards came down because one, we were on a campaign of building mega churches. We were on a campaign to say, it doesn't take all of that. We had the campaign of PK kids who already was upset because they was in church all day long. So they already were making vows in their heart about when they get older, they're going to build their own church and they won't have rules and regulations. So we were dealing with all of these different perspectives and today, in 2021, we look at the American church and we are prime bait for hell. Mm, my God, what a statement to close the broadcast on or with. We are prime bait for hell. I want y'all to think about that. The agenda, Our, the agenda that work. The agenda, it the agenda worked. worked. It worked successfully. And 
what Prophet Tamara was addressing in regards to uh, this movement that took place that was initiated 30, about 30 years ago, it Saddleback Church, uh, Rick Warren, who was the is rather the founding pastor and the the book Purpose Driven Life really was the Bible, as it were, that uh, started this movement because that book provided the tactics, the strategy. Uh, it literally outlined for those that wanted to change the culture of their church for the purpose of evangelism. And I remember when the book came out, again, the church, unfortunately, the scripture says that the children of darkness are wiser than the children of light. We don't do our homework. And we just ran and made him <laughs> a millionaire made him even more wealthier purchasing the book, not understanding that there was a satanic agenda attached to that book, The Purpose Driven Life. Whose purpose were you driving into reality? It wasn't God's. Amen. That's true. Well, Prophet Merrick Cloak, uh, Lord, I'm so caught up. Pray us out. That's what I want to say. Pray us out. And I thank you again for being with us once again on 60 Minutes with the Prophet. We are 24 minutes over our time, but hey, sometimes you have to go into overtime in order to make sure that you give the conclusion of the matter. And if this was uh, football or baseball for most of you, uh, you wouldn't have no issue with it. And those of you who really have an ear to hear, I know that you really want us to continue in this discussion. You wanted us to continue playing that video, but we're going to pick this up at another time. But I want you to go back and make sure that you share this. Watch last week, especially if this was your first time with us in regards to this subject as we dealt with it, as we tackled it. You want to make sure that you receive all of what has been shared. And so we, I rather thank Prophet Tamara Alexander, my prophet thank sister. Thank you stationed, housed, home in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And she is the host of the Prophet Circle that airs every Tuesday at 7.30 Central Time. Did I get that right? You got it right. 7.30 Central Time. I think I still have it here. Yes, there it is. Make sure that you tune in tomorrow because it's Tuesday, yeah. 7.30 p.m. Central Time to the Prophet Circle, you're going to be blessed, enriched, and empowered. And I also want to encourage you, I forgot last week because I was just caught up. I want to encourage you to sow into this word on tonight. The information Amen. is on the screen. Sow into this, what you've learned from tonight, what you've learned from last week. And you can go to the website, ctjohnson.org, and give securely there or via PayPal or via Cash App and or you can mail in your seed to CTJ Ministries, P.O. Box 225, Commerce City, Colorado, 837. Sow into the anointing that sold into you on tonight. Prophet Tamara, close us out, and we're going 
Amen. God, I thank you for this powerful Amen. time that we had tonight. I thank you for this 60-minute family. And I thank you, God, for all that are currently watching and all that will go back and watch this show. Right now, I am praying, God, for the righteous. You know, Lord God, I'm praying that the righteous, Lord God, in this particular hour, I literally uproot, Lord God, this bewitching power that is lingering over uh, the nation of Jesus Christ. I right now pull out of hell, God, your sons and daughters. I bring them over right now and give them over to you, Holy Spirit. I call them out of other religions and I call right now in the name of Jesus. Even now, God, the holiness, the righteousness, I call forth yes. the spirit of truth. I literally uproot right now in Jesus' name. I uproot the spirit of the lie, this taunting spirit, God, that is running rapid throughout the nation of Jesus Christ. I uproot your power. I uproot your authority. I uproot your access. And I thank you right now, God, that you are now, Holy Spirit, you are bringing power back to the church, God, as you are arming us, God, with the education and as you are arming us, God, with power in our will, power in our heart, as you are giving us the new hearts, as you are adorning us with the new soul and your new creation spirit, Lord God, is being poured out upon us. I thank you that the new creation church right now, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to rise and that we are going to rise in power. We are going to rise in might and we are going to take out the head of this mm. dragon. And we say that America, yes, in Jesus name, will not go the way of hell. Yes, God, that the nation of Jesus Christ will not go the way of hell. And God, I pray for those little girls now that are being raised in churches. I pray for the little yeah, sons. Yeah. God, our Holy Spirit, I'm asking those that you mark right now with the spirit of truth, you mark with the spirit of salvation, that they will be adorned with the spirit of holiness. I call forth holiness, that I call forth the holy culture, that you, Jesus, came from eternity down to earth to let us know. I know the doctrine that the Pharisees and the Sadducees preach, but I come to tell you about the culture of eternity. And I, right now, God, I stand with eternity and yeah. you mark those, God, that belong to you. That holiness is going to speak to them in the nighttime. Holiness is going to speak to them at work. That they are going to drop, God, the spirit of the whore and the adulterous yeah. woman. I, I uproot that power of the whore right now in the name of Jesus that is literally lurking in the bedrock of the foundation of the church. That is causing the church right now to choose nakedness over holiness. To, Lord God, choose it to not adorn themselves with your righteousness and want to adorn themselves with the outfits of hell. We say that that's not the word of the Lord. So we overturn the communication of hell. We overturn the seductions of hell. We overturn even yes, right now yes. Even, Lord God, the seductions, even, Lord God, of secularism, we uproot your invasion. We send your invasion back, Satan. I send your invasion back to hell. I send the invasion of the lion spirit. I send back the invasion of the lion prophet. I send back the invasion of the whoring prophet. I send back the invasion of the whoring pastor. I send back the invasion of the whoring evangelist. I send you back to hell in the name of Jesus. 
And we say that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the elect, we will rise and overtake the pulpits of the almighty God. And we say that we will reign in holiness again in Jesus' mighty name. I want to thank you for listening to a Biblical Perspective podcast where God's point of view matters with yours truly, Prophet C.T. Johnson. If you enjoyed today's episode, I invite you to rate and subscribe to the podcast at cpnshows.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about myself and C.T. Johnson Ministries International, visit the website at ctjohnson.org or text the phrase prophetic voice to 54244. And don't forget to connect with me on social media via Instagram and Twitter at CTJ Ministries or via the ministry's Facebook page at CT Johnson Ministries. I also invite you to subscribe to my YouTube channel, CT Johnson Ministries, also known as Prophetic Voice TV for 24 hour, seven days a week of prophetic empowerment. And lastly, be sure to watch my national television broadcast, Prophetic Voice, on Dominion TV, airing Tuesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Thursdays at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Watch the broadcast via Roku, Apple TV, or by downloading the Dominion TV app from your Apple or Google Play Store or via the website dominion.tv. Tune in next week as we boldly and unapologetically share God's point of view.